This is Opportunities in Science. With me, Dr. Barry Towler, founder and CEO of science animation company Vivo Motion. In this podcast, inspiring individuals reveal their interesting career pathways after completing a degree in science. Hello and welcome to this episode of Opportunities in Science. I'm absolutely delighted today to welcome our guest, Dr. Priyanka Tibarawel. Um, Priyanka is currently a, a postdoc, but she's going to tell us all about her career path up to this point. So welcome, Priyanka. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. That's good. So I'll just start right at the beginning um, in terms of what you studied at university. What degree or degrees do you hold and where did you study about? So I'm from India, so I was born and brought up in India. I did my schooling, my high school in India, and I did my undergrad and my master's in India as well. Mm -hmm. So I did my BSc in biotechnology. And I did my MSc in uh, molecular biology. So the course was called Microbial Gene Technology. But yeah, it was Mm -hmm. a molecular biology course. And then I came to Dundee to do my PhD. And I, you know, that's where I know you from as well. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I did my PhD at the University of Dundee. And um, after that, I moved to Edinburgh for a bit to, you know, sort of carry on the work that I was doing. So my PhD co-supervisor... He moved his lab to Edinburgh and he offered me a short postdoc over there, basically to complete off projects and to, you know, finalize publications and stuff. And then um, then I moved to Cambridge and I was in Cambridge for about two, two and a half years. And then I came to London. So currently I'm a postdoc at UCL Cancer Institute Mm -hmm. in London. So, yeah, that's that's sort of my career path so far. Yeah, that's good. And what brought you to Dundee from India? Like, it's a big jump. Um, Did you know about life sciences there or did you know somebody? No, I think when I was doing my master's in India, I just had one aim that I wanted to go abroad to do my PhD Mm -hmm. because, like, PhD careers in India, they... I mean, loads of people have PhD careers in India, but it wasn't something that was that recognized. So I was like, okay, I want to go abroad. And then I was just, I did my research, applied to different universities. And then when I got the invitation for an interview from Dundee, I remember my master's professor telling me all about Dundee's reputation and, you know, the discovery of P53 and stuff. And he just Mm -hmm. went, you know, you if you get the opportunity, go there. It's one of the best places to go to life sciences research. Mm-hmm. And I was offered a full fellowship to come to Dundee as well, which was rare for international students then. Mm. So, yeah, didn't see a reason not to come. It was, yeah. uh, you know, other than maybe the cold weather. But, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was a big jump coming from India to Dundee. But, right. yeah, yeah, you know, I think the opportunity was great and coming mm-hmm. it came with a full fellowship. So, yeah. That's what attracted me to Dundee. And can you tell us a bit about um, what your research involves in terms of the topic? Because I know that you've, you know, from your PhD, you've kind of done um, research in a similar field. um, Or has it moved now to a different field or are you still working on the same? No, I'm still working on the same protein. Mm -hmm. So I work on a tumor suppressor gene called P10. And it's commonly mutated in cancers. So when I was doing my PhD, we were studying the protein molecule as such and trying to understand, you know, its multiple functions, 
And then we developed mouse models uh, mm-hmm. which carry mutations for this particular protein. So mm-hmm. I think my postdoc in Edinburgh involved, you know, it was sort of trying to finish off those mouse projects. And then I was, my project in Cambridge was involved studying the role of P10, but in leukemia. So I joined an immunology lab and yeah, so it was still studying the same protein, but in a completely different context. So, you know, in an, in an immune context and looking at B cell and T cell leukemias. Yeah. And then this protein or this gene is also mutated in the germline. So you have patients who have hereditary mutations and they were born with this mutation and it causes a rare disease called as beaten hamatoma tumor syndrome. Mm-hmm. So when I was in Cambridge um, and I was looking for my next job, I got offered the job to work on P10, but in this rare disease context. And that's what brought me to London. So, yeah, I think I've been working with the same gene, but in different contexts, in different sort of scenarios, you could say. Okay. It's interesting, though, that you've managed to keep working on the same, because that's a question that people often ask me, you know, should I stay in the same field or should I change you know, do a postdoc in something different. Yeah, I mean, it, it's still not the same field in a way. As I said, I went from a biochemistry, you know, protein and lipid biochemistry lab to an immunology lab, and it was really daunting because all of a sudden you're exposed to all these new techniques. But, mm-hmm. you know, I was like, okay, I get to learn a whole load of new techniques. Mm-hmm. And from there now I'm working on, you know, a lot of preclinical work. So it involves, you know, speaking to like you know the drug company big pharma companies and stuff so yeah Mm. even though I've been working on the same gene the work has changed a lot which which is quite nice because then you learn different skills and you know but you're still sort of working on the same gene that you've been in you know working on for years so yeah I think that's been quite interesting Good. So what have been your main career achievements and highlights, would you say? Oh, wow. <laughs> so I guess, yeah, doing my PhD was obviously a big one. And mm-hmm. I think, um, yeah, I think I, I wish I had a, you know, really good answer for this one, because it's just been the same, you know, PhD to postdoc mm-hmm. path. And I think the first few years of my postdoc, so the, you know, time in Edinburgh, well, that was short. The time in Cambridge wasn't very productive, mm-hmm. but I think I've coming to London, I've had the opportunity to work with the patient community and clinicians and pharma companies. And I think as academics, we normally do not have a chance to see the real world impact of our research. Yeah. And I think that's definitely been a driving force. And I would say, you know, highlight of my career that I get to see patients and I couldn't mm. get to tell them about my research yeah. and I get to see the real impact of the work that I'm doing, mm-hmm. you know, on, on the patient treatment and, you know, on development of therapeutics for them. So I think that has definitely been very different to what it was before, you know, the first yeah. six, seven years of my academic career, it was just basic science. So yeah, seeing it, have an impact in the real world I think that's definitely you know a highlight I would say yeah quite rewarding I know that when you were in Dundee you you ran the PhD society do you want to tell us about that because that was quite an achievement I would say to be um, heading that up (laughs) yeah I think I've always been the kind of person who likes to organize things and you know like organize events and stuff. And I think we were a bunch of PhD students. We had a lot of fun. I mean, you you must remember all of us on the floor, like 
quite few of us who joined that year. Mm-hmm. And it started off as meeting at the pub every mm-hmm. Friday to mm-hmm. let's start a PhD association. And then we got involved in doing loads of things. So, you know, we invo- did scientific stuff as such as, you know, organizing symposiums and organizing student mm-hmm. retreats. But we also did like loads of fun stuff. I remember we had interdepartmental dodgeball tournament, which yeah. became like an annual event and it was really popular. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think it was just all of us getting together, trying to have some fun. But obviously we couldn't just do only fun stuff and ask yeah. Yeah, and justify it. So we did quite a lot of scientific stuff as well. So that was mm-hmm. that was good fun. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, I think it would stand you in good stead as well for organising, you know, conferences and whatnot in the future. And yeah, I do remember the dodgeball. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> okay. Um, okay. Um, have there been any difficult moments in your career so far? And if so, how have you overcome them? Oh yeah, loads. I would say, <laughs> as I said, uh, when I was in, when I moved to Edinburgh, and Nick offered me like you know a short postdoc contract. Mm-hmm. My aim was to apply for, you know, the Henry Welcome Fellowship, for example. Mm-hmm. And I did apply and I made it all the way to the interviews, didn't get the fellowship. So I think that was very discouraging. And, mm-hmm. you know, you just, yeah, you work on it for like a year and it was really discouraging. But then again, you just pick yourself up and you go, you know, it's not the end of the world. And then I applied for jobs and then I got the postdoc position in Cambridge, when there, it all started well, two years later, the PI decided he wanted to shut down the lab mm. and we were all out of jobs overnight. we were like, One evening we were all told, you're all being made redundant, look for oh other goodness. jobs. Mm. And I think that was quite difficult because it wasn't just, okay, I have nothing to show for the last two years of my postdoc. And it was my first postdoc. And, you know, you appreciate that when you're doing, going down the, PhD postdoc academic path, your first postdoc is sort of the most important one where Mm. you want to get all the publications and, you know, you want to build your CV as a researcher. So Mm. I think that was very difficult. And I think at that moment, it was more of, you know, me just trying to survive because I was on a visa, so I needed a job. But I got really lucky because I remember I was, you know, looking for jobs and one of my collaborators actually told Bart, who's my current supervisor. So Bart got the funding to work on this rare disease and he was looking for somebody who had experience in P10 research. Mm-hmm. And he was just speaking to his, you know, PI colleagues, like his collaborators and friends. And one of them went, I think I know the perfect person for this job. Mm-hmm. And I still remember I got a phone call. I was cooking dinner and I got a phone call on my mobile phone And Bart was on the line at 7 p.m. in the evening and he offered me the job. So I think that was definitely, you know, a pick me up. I was like, okay, this is good. And then I took the job here and uh, it's been going well. But yeah, I do have, for example, like a big gap in my career when it comes to publications. Mm. And I think those sort of things can really sort of take you down and you just feel like, is this meant for me? Am I even suited to do this? Mm-hmm. But then now my publications are coming through. And as I said, that with my current role, I get to speak to patients and I get to mm-hmm. see my research go into the clinic. So I find that quite rewarding. So I think mm-hmm. there have been loads of difficult moments, but the only way to get through them is to sort of weigh out in that moment what's good and what's not so good about your job. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you just have to think about all the positives yeah. And yeah, just cut yourself some slack 
and go that you know think of it as okay it's a setback but it's not the end of the world and you yeah. just sort of you know carry on the next opportunity yes yeah and it's good as well to you know build your resilience but I think you know it's not your fault that the PI decided to shut down the lab you know that's kind of like a bit unusual in some ways doesn't happen that often yeah and but yeah you do need a bit of momentum I suppose to get the publications coming through and now you've got that going so that's really good what in terms of you know your current job what skills or qualities would you say are required for for carrying out the role that you do at the moment so my role I'm I'm you know I'm kind of considered like a senior postdoc so I'm not just, you know, doing my own project, mm-hmm. but I'm sort of heading multiple projects in the lab. I'm supervising multiple PhD students. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, I have to interact with the funding body. I have to interact with the patients, the clinicians, the pharma companies. So I think communication skills and, you know, all those years of organizing those events when I was a PhD student has definitely come in handy because I think I developed a lot of confidence when it came to, you know, how to reach out to people and how to start a conversation Mm -hmm. and, you know, how to organize things. So I think, yeah, communication skills are really important and, uh, you know, you just, yeah, you have to be, you have to take a lot of initiative to drive the projects as well even though you know you've got projects and stuff but if you want them to produce as many results as you want then yeah you need to be quite proactive and Mm -hmm. sort of take take the initiative for that as well Mm -hmm. yeah and I just think you know having that sort of uh, a relationship with everybody you work so we are a team of around six or seven people Mm -hmm. and we work together so we've got like technicians and PhD students and we all work together as a team. We have a lot of fun, but we get quite a lot of work done as well. So at the end of the day, it's important to have that team spirit and, you know, make sure you're having fun as well when you're do, you know, doing the work. So I think those are, yeah, those are quite, those, those are sort of the skills that help me carry out my current role. Yeah. So that's definitely a good one, having fun in what you're doing. <laughs> Otherwise, yes, absolutely. Yes. <laughs> good. Has there been anything that's helped you along the way in making your career decisions? Do you have anybody like a mentor that you speak to or, I don't know, family or friends? How do you decide or has it all just been kind of serendipity, like, you know, landing that job? No, no, I think loads of people have, you know, helped me along the way. So my supervisor, obviously, he's been my mentor for the last, you know, few years. Mm. And he's always been very supportive of what uh you know with your career aspirations for example i'm supervising phd students and one of the things he strongly believes in is if you're supervising phd students you should get get the credit for it so he he worked really hard to make postdocs as official supervisors for phd students which is quite unusual where you get the recognition for it yeah and not just that he's given me sort of the he he trusts me enough to now sit on these meetings with the pharma companies and stuff. So he's been a mentor when it comes to advising me what I should do, but not just that he's given me a lot of opportunities yeah. to make, you know, to build those, the network and the collaborations I need. And I think now I've developed skills to, you know, if I wanted to go and work in a pharma company, stay in research or, I mean, I would still like to continue doing research, but maybe in a pharma company, I think he's, 
helped me to build those contacts and stuff. So I think that's been very helpful as a mentor. He's been yeah. very helpful. And then there's, you know, obviously you you rely on your family and your friends. So my partner, he's been very helpful at times when I've just gone, you know what, I can't do this anymore. Mm-hmm. He's been the one who's shown me, you know, re- he's the one who's, you know, talked sense into me and said, look, these things happen and you, you're going to have low moments. Yeah. But you need to you need to think about the positives and you need to think about your aspirations and the fact that you're so passionate mm-hmm. about what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And I think another driving force for me has been the patients because I go and interact with them mm-hmm. and just speaking to them and, you know, how much faith they have in you. And every time you tell them about your research, just how, you know, excited they get and how grateful they are for the research that you're mm-hmm. doing. Mm-hmm. I think it really, really drives me. So every time I go and meet one of the patients, I come back with new motivation and enthusiasm to carry on the projects. Yeah. And now I'm involved in the patient charity as well. So I ended up joining the patient charity as a trustee because I wanted to interact with patients more and help and you know give back to the patient community. Yeah. So yeah, even if there are times when I'm like, I'm not sure I want to do this anymore. Mm-hmm. I just think about all, you know, the, the, yeah, the patients, they definitely drive me and, you know, they are a big, uh, yeah, they, they're a big motivation for me to continue doing what I'm doing. I think that's great that you've got the chance to interact with them like in person, because, you know, I know when I worked in, in the lab, there was no patient interaction, even though you were working on disease models, etc. It was so far removed, whereas you're getting to see the real results or yes. you know like you say the motivation for doing the research and finding cures etc is right there so I think that's brilliant what you're doing and also the work with your charity as well so just finally Priyanka what advice would you give someone who is looking to start a career in science well I, I mean your podcast is a very good example of you know when you start a career in science it doesn't mean that you have to go down a traditional route and stay in research or even go in research. Like if you want to do a degree in biomedical sciences, you can do an undergrad degree in biomedical sciences. And then there are loads of routes, you know, there are loads of career options. And then if you do a master's, there are loads of career options. I think after every stage in your career, or after every degree you do, there are loads of different options for you. So mm-hmm. if you are somebody who's curious about, biomedical sciences and if you want to if answering questions is your thing then go for it because it is is an interesting area it's Mm -hmm. not boring it's very interesting you're trying to understand about you know the human working of all living organisms so I think it's quite interesting but yeah if you do if you do go down the path that I have gone down so which is like you do a PhD you do a postdoc and then you know you want to stay in academic research, mm-hmm. you need to have the passions for passion for science. Mm-hmm. It is, yeah, you have to think about what you're giving to the community through your research. And if you are somebody who's passionate about science, passionate about answering questions, and at the same time, you want to, you know, help out, help out people by contributing to research, then yeah, that, that, that those are important factors. Mm-hmm for you to stay in academic research because you know academic research it's not 
there are things about academic research. You speak to different people, they'll say different things. Some people will say, you come, you do academic research for the passion. It's mm-hmm. not necessarily for the money. Mm-hmm. So, you know, yeah, they, they have said it, that if you want to go down this route, you have to be really passionate about science and doing, you know, biomedical research. So mm-hmm. if you have that passion and if you, then, yeah, then you should do it. Yeah, Good. Okay, well, thank you very much for your time today, Priyanka. Um, I don't have any other questions. Do you have any other points that you would like to talk about in terms of your own journey or anything else? Uh, not really. I think I've mentioned everything, but yeah, just just the one thing that the you know I have seen a lot of people who've done their PhDs and then they've said that oh no, academic research is not for me. And I think there are loads of things that put people off, things like the funding is competitive and you need to have publications and, you know, there's a lot of expectations from you when you go down that path. But I think a lot of people, like decision policymakers, they are taking this into consideration. So think about that before you decide to switch lanes and go, you know, move away from academic research because funding bodies are now very they, you know, they've, for example, reduced the age, sorry, there's no age limit for when you can apply for, you know, fellowships, for example. So they take personal situations into consideration. And I think when it comes to funding as well, I know it's become competitive, uh, but there are loads, there's a lot of funding available as well. So there might be things that might put you off, but don't let that be the reason for you to, you know, sort of switch lanes, make sure you speak to somebody, have a mentor, maybe speak to somebody who's gone down that path and ask them about their experience. And again, everybody has a different experience. If you were to speak to me on a good day, I'll tell you all the good things. But if you caught me on a bad day, I'd be like, oh, don't do this. It's just not the right thing to do. So make sure you, it's a big decision. And, you know, you spend four years doing your PhD and then you just decide it's not for me. And you switch parts, which is great if you want to do that, if you found a new passion. But if you're doing it solely because of reasons you cannot control and, you know, it's putting you off things like you think, oh, I haven't I don't have a publication or, you know, the, there's no funding, then there are ways to overcome that. So if you mm-hmm. still feel that you're somebody who wants to keep doing research and you are somebody who loves doing experiments and you love coming into the lab and you know, solving a problem, then don't let these things put you off. There'll always be things that'll be, there will always be, you know, these issues, but don't let it put you off. If if research is for you, then there is a way around all these issues and you can carry on. Good. Okay, brilliant advice. Thank you very much, Priyanka. And yeah, it's been really good to talk to you today about your career path and get your insights there on, you know, how how to make the choices, I suppose. Um, So thank you very much for your time today. And it's been great to speak to you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to Opportunities in Science with me, Dr. Vary Towler, founder and CEO of science animation company, Vivo Motion. If you haven't subscribed yet, please do so on Apple, Google and Spotify. We look forward to you joining us for the next episode. Bye for now.